Everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Story Time. We are reading the book In My Father's House by Corey Tenboom, with permission of Light Trails Publishing and the Tenboom Foundation. And we are on Chapter 12. All is well until it rains. I felt a little strange among the people in that room. Most of the women at the meeting of the Christian Union of Lady Friends of the Young Girl were very dignified, wearing their beautiful black dresses with high collars and long sleeves. What am I doing here? I asked myself. I was suddenly very conscious of my rather low-necked, short-sleeved blouse, which was appropriate for the watchmaker's workshop, but a bit out of place for a gathering of the Union's des Amis de la Us Delay. When one lady began to make her speech, I forgot all about myself and listened as she expressed great warmth and love for the girls who needed help and guidance during a time in their lives when there were possibilities for extremes in good or bad. In Holland, Sunday school classes ended when one was 12 or 13 years old, and YMCA groups were designed for girls 18 or older. In those critical formative years between the two age groups, there was nothing organized for them in the Christian world. Suddenly I felt a finger poking my back, and a whispering voice said, That's work for you, Corey Ten Boom. I turned around and looked into the kind eyes of Mrs. Belttold, a dear old lady who had been the friend of Tante Jan's. No time, I answered, thinking of the house, the shop, the Bible studies and schools. Oh, dear, I was much, much too busy. Talk it over with the Lord, Mrs. Belltold said. That was exactly what I did when I went to bed that evening. Do it. The next day I told Betsy about the meeting and how the Lord had laid upon my heart to do something about the girls in their early teen years. Betsy began to make plans. We have no money, no experience, but we started. Betsy had taught Sunday school for many years, so it was not difficult for her to get some long lists of names of former pupils. She began to talk to her girls about our plans, and in her quiet way, she was a tremendous motivator. The first thing we did was to start the church walk club. The youth church on the Beckenostrat started at 10 o'clock Sunday morning, so we met the girls on a bridge at 8.30, had a long walk to the dunes and played there for a while, and then went to the church together. This was the beginning, but we realized that Sunday was not enough. We talked it over with the children and decided that on Wednesday evening we would gather at our usual meeting place on the bridge and walk to Blow a Mendel, where some of the wealthy women had said we could use their parks and gardens for games. The grounds of some of these estates were like forest preserves, and it was such a privilege to be able to enjoy them so freely. After each time of fun, we would have a talk about the Lord with the girls. The club grew and grew as girls brought their friends. Word began to get around that Tante Keys, my nickname, was not such a bad sort, for an adult, that is. Betsy and I soon realized that we had a serious need for more girl club leaders. While Betsy gathered names and addresses of formal Sunday school pupils, I found my place for selecting prospects was in the shop. When a young lady brought a watch or brought one in for repairs, I would find myself looking at her and thinking, Now I wonder if she's a Christian. So I stood behind the counter and she was sitting in the front on a chair. I would start to talk about juvenile delinquency and the need of the gospel reaching the whole world particularly girls 12 to 18 years of age. When one of these young ladies seemed interested, I invited her to the Leaders Club. Within a short time, we had 40 leaders. Soon, some of them dropped out because they realized their responsibilities. But when the chef left, the wheat remained, 
and we had an enthusiastic, able group of young women. Once a week, the leaders got together and everyone had to teach the others the game she knew. I instructed them in giving a Bible message with a short story and a thought that they could use that week. Whenever questions came up, we talked them over together to find the answer. We brought up our problems in our prayers and didn't depend upon our own resources to work a miracle. These leaders got together a list of former Sunday school girls and told them about the clubs, where to meet on the bridge and the name of the park or the garden where they would have their game and talk club. What a beginning we had. It was dynamic until the rainy month of August started and the entire HMC, or Harlem Girls Club, consisted of dripping wet leaders who waited in vain on the bridge for the girls who didn't come. We had too many fair-weathered girls. We could have given up at that point, but most of us believed if the Lord had directed us into this work that he wanted us to go on. We were dampened, but not drowned. What we needed was a roof over our heads, and we found a room and a house on the Beganakastrak. It was close to the Baye, and when supper was over it, it only took me a few minutes to run to the meeting. On some Wednesday evenings, we had a room jammed with girls. At other times, the place was empty. It was during the empty times that our leaders' training club became our leaders' prayer group. We asked the Lord to give us a clubhouse instead of just a club room. Every city had its famous benefactors, and in Harlem, the name of Tyler was well known. Stories of his wealth, the organizations he had endowed, and his reputation as a promoter of Dutch art were renowned. One of the many houses owned by Mr. Taylor had a very large room with some smaller rooms around it. From a family viewpoint, it was not a practical home. We asked the steward of the property if we could rent the house, and because we were going to use it for good moral purposes, our offer was quickly accepted. What an answer to our prayers. We had the time of our lives. As we planned together with the girls, they all expressed their different area of interest. One of the girls, for instance, wanted to learn English. The next week, we had an English class started in one of the smaller rooms. The leader of that class was one of our customers in the shop. The one thing which we couldn't do in the Tyler house was the vigorous physical activity which some girls wanted. So for one evening a week, we rented a gymnasium hall in the Harlem with all the equipment we needed. There we started the athletic clubs for the more adventurous. God blessed the work. Yes, we made mistakes, but in spite of our blunders, the clubs grew in number and in strength. As a result of my association with those women who had given me that first inspiration, we were made a part of the Christian Union of the Ladies' Friends of the Young Girl with an international headquarters in Switzerland. Our board of directors consisted of dignified ladies, most of them from the upper strata of society and very strict in their opinions. However, they had a healthy sense of humor and an astonishing flexibility considering their background. One of the areas of real challenge for the board was a young spinster with exploding ideas. Her name was Corey Tinboom. A doctor's wife, Mrs. Birkins, was given the job of controlling Corey and protecting the larger group from the adventures which were considered too dangerous. Taboo. Everything went very well with the board until I came up with the idea which was revolutionary. I wanted to start a club with boys and girls together. Such a thing was unheard of for a Christian organization. Boys belonged in boys' clubs and girls in girls' clubs, especially during the time of puberty. Dating had no place in the Christian society. However, a boy and a girl could meet each other in the street in secret. 
After all, I knew a little bit about that, and I will never forget Tante Jan's riding tracks after she saw girls flirting in the Bartolostrat. Young girls don't flirt. The reason we considered having a club for both boys and girls was because the girls themselves were having such fun together that we began to be concerned that we were raising a spinster society. The leaders group thought if we had started a co-ed club that girls would feel free to invite a boyfriend to the club meeting. It wouldn't have to resort to seeing him in secrecy. I'll never forget the board meeting when I announced that we were starting such a group. Corey, what would some of the parents think? It's never been done before. Corey, you really surprise us. I think I really surprised myself. I pleaded and argued that this was such a good opportunity for real fellowship between the sexes. The only possibility for boys and girls to be with each other was to either meet in the streets or, in the case of bad weather, to meet in the pubs. I won the battle. However, the board left me with one restriction for one entire year. Nobody was allowed to tell about our experiment. At the end of that critical first year, if we didn't have any real problems, we were allowed more publicity. So we started the Club of Friends. It might not have been a very clever title, but it was a very popular club. The secrecy of its beginning increased its popularity. Each evening program of the Friends Club was unique. My first question was, well, what will we do this evening? Sometimes they discussed rowing in the Spartan River, and some often the topics centered around politics or the service of the Lord. Somehow young people do not seem to have the same aversion to these topics as their elders. We had young men of many persuasions. Some were communists and others loved their country and our queen. Many were faithful church members. Others were agnostics or atheists. We had no requirement for joining the clubs. If they didn't like the short Bible talks, they didn't have to listen. Once the mixed club decided to climb the tower of the cathedral, I'll never forget how I felt as we climbed the highest steps on the outside of the tower and came into the middle of the pinnacle. I looked down upon the grout marked, which blossomed with the wares of the farmers and the merchants three times a week, and probably wondered what it would be like to land in the bin of onions. It was the first and last time I ever gathered courage for such an experiment. Going down was almost a greater nightmare than climbing up, and I may have considered, if I had time, the reason why the Lord was putting me through such a test of courage. Boys and girls found each other in the club, and marriage feasts were high points of a us all. Some were married in churches, but later told me. We have forgotten what the minister said. But the things you taught us in the club feast, we understood much better and have remembered them. Family Leadership I had an area of concern about the mixed clubs, and that was my own feeling of inadequacy. I knew that the clubhouse needed a director, a substitute father and mother, and I was certainly not equipped for either position. We prayed about it, and out of the Berndekreen came just the right couple. Vim was a tailor from a family of tailors. His father and brother and Vim's girlfriend, Phi, worked together in their business. They were such a joy to be around, and they loved life and especially liked to celebrate with music. The first days of each week, they devoted all their time to developing their musical interests. The walls of their small tailor shop were covered with musical instruments such as violins, guitars, and mandolins. Even the little nine-year-old daughter joined in the family orchestra. I had to take one of Father's suits in for alterations one Monday morning and was invited to sit down and listen to their concert. I was their only audience that day, and all, after almost an hour, I said, How long do your concerts last? Oh, we played from 8 in the morning until 11 at night, most of the time on our first four days of the week. 
I wasn't used to this lack of work schedule, but what about your tailoring business, I asked. Most of the time we start on Thursday, sometimes earlier, sometimes later. That depends on, their mother finished the sentence, how much we have to eat in the house. My business sense was aroused. Do your customers agree with this long waiting time when they have ordered a suit or a dress? They don't have to wait long when answered. When we work, we all four of us work together. Fee works with us too. He looked at her with love and pride. Soon Tante Cory will get married, and then we're going to live in her room. I knew Fi's room, and it was just an attic in a large apartment house. Not a very pleasant place to begin married life, I thought. Well, the room is cheap, Vim said when he saw my concerned face. Vim, Fi, I have an idea. Let's talk about it. Fi was not only a member of our friends club, she was also a perfect leader of several of the girls' clubs. That Monday morning in the tailor's shop, temporarily turned concert hall, we began to dream. If them and Phi could live in a big clubhouse and be the directing couples for the HMC, not only would some of their immediate problems be solved, but would also establish a permanent chaperone on the premises, which would quiet some of the criticisms we had heard. Them and Phi moved in and faithfully directed our clubhouse for many years. They became known as Uncle Them and Aunt Phi and later their baby daughter became the youngest member of the HMC. All my spare time was devoted to the clubs. Father and I experienced ups and downs in the watchmaking business, but each evening I always had one or two clubs to attend. When I came home, Betsy and Father were always longing to hear what I had experienced. They were our prayer partners, and we knew that the Bayer was home base for the prayer support for all the work in the clubs. How we rejoiced together when people came to the clubs gave their first yes to Jesus. About 40 years later, I returned to Holland after tramping around the world. In a church one day, I met a man who came to me and asked, Don't you know me? In your Vandegreen, I found the Lord. He has never failed me. Another time, a minister saw me in his church and said from the pulpit, In your club, Corey, I learned to appreciate the Bible as the living word of God. I praised the Lord and chuckled to myself. It was certainly worth a year of being on trial in that terrifying climb up to the cathedral tower to hear testimonies like that. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Psalm 18.2 Next week it will be chapter 13, A Quiver Full at the Bayet. I hope you're enjoying this book as much as I am, learning more about Corey and her growing up years and about her family. And Well, I love you. I'm praying for you. And bye-bye for now.